Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and as far as this podcast is concerned, I'm very much the boss, the man in charge. And with me in the studio tonight is one of my underlings, according to this piece of paper I've just been handed. His name is Tony Kerr. <laughs> right. Oh, you're getting better. You'll get there. How many hours of work did you waste coming up with that one? <laughs> More than is probably appropriate, I would say. Yeah. I think it paid off though. No, oh, I mean, yeah, I got a snigger from me, so, you know, I can only imagine. That's what I do it for, <laughs> just how many sniggers a week can I get from you? How's it going this week, Tane? Oh, it's very good, What's thanks. What's going on with you? I feel like we never we never talk anymore, man. Well, I, you know, I invited you out last night, yeah, you, you didn't did. turn up. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing about it is you texted me and said, are you going to come and watch the football at the pub tonight? And I replied and said, yes, I'd come down for the second half. And I knew that I wouldn't. Well, I you didn't even was, say that. You're like, no you're like, yeah, I'll probably come down for a bit. And I was like, what do you mean a bit? Just come down for the whole match. Like, I'll what my head good is a bit? <laughs> I didn't really want you there for a bit. But I knew that I wouldn't go. I knew full well that I wouldn't go. But I just... Sickening. I tell them what they want to hear. <laughs> tell them a little bit of what they want to hear. Tell them something approximating what they want to hear. Tell them enough that they think it's what they want to hear, but actually <laughs> does give you a little bit of wriggle room. Keep their hopes up, but allow yourself an out. Well, so. those texts will stop coming at some point, mate. So can't deal with that kind of heartbreak. Did you have a good weekend? Uh, yeah, it was excellent, thanks. You didn't lend me Grand Theft Auto. No, I didn't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of last week's show. So, we, we'll do it this week, though. We agreed that... Uh, I had a long weekend and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with my time. And you said, oh, I'll lend you Grand Theft Auto and promise to read the book that you're supposed to have read, that you're supposed to have been reading for the last few months. Uh, but you didn't lend me Grand Theft Auto because presumably you were just playing it the whole time. Some of the time, certainly. I would say that you're becoming dangerously obsessed with uh, GTA. Like, I came to pick you up tonight and you just ran over to the driver's side, yanked me out, <laughs> sped off down the road. Hurling obscenities, I had to get the bus here. Yeah. It was a nightmare. It is, it does kind of influence your everyday life quite severely. You know, I haven't actually brutalised anyone yet, <laughs> but I can hear police, I can hear police sirens most of the day now. Uh, yeah, they say, you know, kids are affected, our, our children are being affected by these games. And you're adults. A, you're a pretty, <laughs> well, adults in name, certainly, uh, would appear to be being affected as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, as I say, I had a bit of a long weekend. I had uh, a three-day weekend, just a couple of days off work, which was nice. Very nice. Uh, you know, I did a lot of constructive things, like watched a number of episodes of House of Cards <laughs> on Netflix. I also made some soup, which I then told Facebook about. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. You saw the hilarious thing I posted uh, on Facebook. Well, I mean, you know, you kind of just set the ball rolling, but then I really picked it up and <laughs> carried it. Uh, Basically, I was making uh, some tomato soup from scratch. On The, the recipe called for... Some thyme, as in the herb, the herb, and uh, I realised that I didn't have any, and I thought to myself, "Oh, here's an opportunity for comedy." So I posted on Facebook, 
was intending to make some tomato soup, but I'd run out of time. And then the rest of the day was basically just me and you riffing <laughs> on Facebook, wasn't it? I mean, I don't think there's anything funnier than that. To me, that is the funniest Drake in the world. I think it might be. You were like, oh, I can help you out, mate. I've got bags of free time. <laughs> I mean, that's really funny. I've made the soup now, but now I've got a load of time on my hands. Other, <laughs> other people were trying to get involved, but they weren't really, you know... They didn't really grasp it. What's the time? It can be quite... Like yeah, time's quite a difficult concept to grasp, isn't it? <laughs> so you're still going. You're still, still going way still more. riffing now. Endless fun. You know, did you find time in the end? <laughs> I did manage to find some time. <laughs> I had to... Uh, <laughs> your shoulders are shaking with laughter with how funny you find that yeah I, uh, I had more time than I thought actually, so <laughs> it was alright right. uh, yeah. I think it might be time to go too. yeah well, we haven't got all the time in the world have we <laughs> there's oh, only so much time I shouldn't try <laughs> should try and drink water while we're making time gags it's too funny I'm going to spit it out all over the studio oh, we've got time for that <laughs> Uh, what is coming up on the show today, Tane, is my question to you. Uh, and if you want me to answer it as well, just if you want me to do everything around here. Uh, well, <laughs> clearly, one story has been dominating the cricketing headlines this week. And it actually broke just after we recorded last week's episode. I, I wanted to come straight back to the studio and record another one. But you said you were too tired. So uh, we've had to wait. Uh, but that is the retirement of Sachin Tendulkar. Did you hear about this, Tane? Did you hear about this? I caught wind of it, yeah. Uh, so that's going to be the main topic of discussion today but we should have time to knock out a couple of side notes as well uh, but actually before we get going should we just briefly touch on a, a couple of test matches that have been uh, going on around the world this week Bangladesh took on New Zealand in Chittagong uh, and it was a very high scoring draw and was generally pretty uninteresting you'd have to say except that uh, well firstly Bangladesh managed to compete on uh, pretty even terms with New Zealand they posted 501 uh, in their first innings uh, it petered out into a pretty tame draw after that. Um, but it was also notable because Sohag Ghazi, the young offspin bowler, scored a century and took a hat-trick in the same game. He's the first player ever to do that in the long and storied history of Test cricket. Uh, so that's quite an achievement, too. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, no, remarkable. I mean, what, batting at eight? Certainly something to kind of for Bangladesh to hang their hat on there, isn't it? They won't have many records. Certainly, kind of superlative records. So yeah, yeah, it's one of them. and it is one of the more kind of extraordinary records. Yeah, it's in, not in what you can cricket. see being broken anytime soon. Well, or matched. How would, yeah, I was going to say how would they break, break it? it? Yeah. yeah, but it's the sort of record that you don't even sort of think about that, that no one even imagined would happen. Well, it's two separate things. That yeah, it's it's a bit obscure, isn't it? In many ways. Uh, so so that was pretty cool. There's another test match uh, that is still ongoing as we're recording this on Wednesday evening UK time. Uh, and that is the one in Abu Dhabi. We previewed this series last week between Pakistan and South Africa. We both said we expected uh, South Africa to have a little bit too much for Pakistan in this series. But as it stands, at the end of day three of the first test, Pakistan are on the verge of a victory. South Africa are 72 for four in their second innings, training Pakistan by 121 runs still. Kuram Manzor and Misbah Al-Haq both made centuries for Pakistan. Uh, and they've got South Africa on the ropes a little bit, you'd have to say. Now... Yeah, obviously we don't know what happens, what's going to happen uh, in the remainder of this game. But you would have to say at this point that if Pakistan don't win, uh, they'll be very frustrated with themselves because they really should win from here. Yeah, it's made something of a mockery of our preview last week, this scoreline. Uh, so I was hoping we kind of wouldn't mention it, but I guess <laughs> just it's pretend, pretending yeah. it hadn't happened. It feels appropriate to probably to bring it up. Well, but in, yeah, fairness, I mean, in fairness, just to be fair to us for a moment, please... 
you know, we did both say that, you know, it, it's far from impossible that Pakistan could do something like this, but that, you, that South Africa are the better team and we thought they'd have a little bit too much, but they've caught them napping a bit. And, you know, South Africa have just not played test cricket for a long time. And this is actually, once again, to refer back to that, that England series from 2012, England came into that series having not played test cricket for five months. Uh, and that was one of their big, big problems that they were so unprepared, so out of practice. And South Africa have come into this series having not played cricket, test cricket for eight months. Uh, and I don't care who yeah, you are. Yeah, it's a very similar you know. situation, isn't it? And it does, in a way, slightly takes the edge off what was it, at the time quite disappointing performance from England, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, great news for England. Yeah. Uh, we can, e- even more reason to just write that series off, <laughs> erase it from the memory banks. But yeah, we'll, well, we'll talk about that test in uh, more detail on next week's show. Uh, when we actually know what happened. Uh, but yeah, let's move on with the rest of the episode, shall we? But actual cricket discussion in the intro, Tone. Look at that. I know. Dreams do come true. I've got a brand new item for you here, Tone. You ready for this? Tendulkar. What do you think this item's going to be about? Well, I can guess, but I mean, is it going to be the only time it ever appears? Might Probably. be the first and last time we do this item. Which is a shame because I thought of a great slogan. Right. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, but ten. Dulka. What do you think of that? It's good. I mean, it goes on a bit. Isn't it? It's not <laughs> as punchy as the player that it's named after. You can't see it on a billboard. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good first attempt though. I'd love it if we had billboards not just for the World Cricket Show but for particular items on the World Cricket <laughs> Show we could do a it a billboard for the side notes there's a billboard for what's Michael Vaughan done now <laughs> long forgotten <laughs> yeah which we haven't done for a long time segments well this is a big segment isn't it you know like an obit it's been prepared for months if not years well yeah I mean we're, we've been waiting for I it I don't know if we want to say that we, we're actually recording this in January 2007 <laughs> uh, we'll We'll release it in October 2013. <laughs> but yeah, breaking news saying you heard it here first. Sachin Tendulkar has announced his retirement from cricket. His last game is going to be the second and final test against the West Indies. That is home ground in Mumbai, which will also be his 200th test. Do you want to make your gag that you told me before the show you uh, you had prepared? Are you going to cut out this bit? No, I'll probably leave it. Right, OK. I didn't really prepare it. Like, it just came to me in a flash of the gag that you said you and uh, a few mates of yours went away <laughs> and worked on over the weekend. Well, no, I just think you know this is a show of uh, kind of startling coincidences, really. In many ways, I haven't found any more yet. But you know, this is our 198th show. Sachin is on 198 tests. Maybe I didn't want it to come out this way, but I think our 200th episode will be our last as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we very much started this podcast as a way just to talk about Sachin, and I feel we've gone as far as we can. Yeah. I think we should leave it on 199, you know, just for a bit of poetry. Or do you think that would... Would people always feel... Or would leave, it make the whole thing feel like a waste of time if we yeah. ended on 199? Or we could leave it on 201, just to stick two fingers up at Sachin. <laughs> you may have played 200 tests, but we've made 201 episodes. No, we'll, we'll be carrying on, won't we? Stupid Probably. podcast. It's an Ashes I've, series. I've sat down with my idiot friend 201 times. <laughs> Talked into some microphones. Mm. Well, anyway, yeah, so uh, so Sachin's on his way out, Tone. I, I'd just like to say, for the record, and I think I can speak for you as well here, that um, good riddance. Overrated, <laughs> boring to watch, uninspiring. Never really seemed like that nice a guy either. Didn't so, make a big impact. No, I'm glad to see the back of him. Not a great longevity, really, to his career either. Uh. Uh, oh, our email inbox is filling up. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. What's that? The switchboard's lighting up. <laughs> He couldn't really have had a better script written for him uh, for this final game, could he? And his, I mean, his 200th it, test 
in Mumbai's home ground. I mean, and it was written for him, though, wasn't it? it that you know, didn't they like parachute in these two tests? Effectively, uh, well, I, mean, to, I suppose in a way, yeah, to give that's him, true. and they made sure it'd be in Mumbai. But then, yeah. it's just quite cool that it's worked out that two hundredth test would be it would be possible to do this. So well, that's why they did it, isn't it? Tour of England. From what I can gather, from what I can, from what I've read. Well, no, I, I I understand your point. They did arrange this series, I think, specifically for this purpose. But what if they were on their way to Australia or something? Okay, that had already been arranged. Then he would have either had well, to sit out that tour, yeah. <laughs> or, or they would have just cancelled it and done it anyway. All right. Well, yeah, maybe he has had the script written for him, but it's a pretty good script, isn't it? Right, it's a, yeah, it's a good ending. It is a good ending. I'm just going to chuck some stats at you now, Tone. The first is that his career has spanned 24 years just put that into context a little bit, is as long as Virat Kohli's been alive. He'll be the first man to play 200 tests, 22 more than the next most capped players in test history, Ricky Ponting and Steve Waugh. As of this point, he's scored 34,273 international runs with 100 international centuries as well, you know. I don't know if you remember that there was some interest in that (laughs) at the time. Uh, But you may not know that he also has made 28 scores in the 90s in international cricket in addition to his 100 centuries. Uh, of course, he was also the first player to score a double century in an ODI, although what might frighten you a little bit is that that is almost four years ago. And for me, that, that blew my mind. <laughs> I'm absolutely terrified by that fact, because I, I would have said maybe late last year, just, <laughs> right, just yeah. going by my You're own worse memory. Than me. <laughs> um, time is moving too fast, man. I need more time, eh? Sachin's out of time, so don't call him. Uh, he's scored 15,837 runs in test matches. Maybe he'll get to 16,000 in these last two games. His test average is a shade under 54, and he's scored 51 test centuries. Is that one perhaps the most impressive statistic, Tony? Is that the one that stands out more than any other, the 51 test centuries? As opposed to, what, the 15,000, nearly 16,000 runs? Yeah, I mean, they're all obviously they're, obviously they're all impressive. Obviously, most of them are... <laughs> Records, but is that the one that will stand the test of time the longest? So, just getting hot. <laughs> just making yourself comfortable. Uh, well, quite possibly, because it's well in excess of anyone else, isn't it? I don't, no one's got 40, have they? Yeah, they Ponte's do. has got 40. I mean, this is the thing, like, yeah, I, having just said that, Jacques Callis is only seven behind at this yeah. point, so it's not entirely inconceivable that he could catch up. I guess it's the fact that because Tendulkar hasn't scored a test century for three years, <laughs> when he got that 51st, he thought he might get a 60. Yeah. Uh, he's just been stuck on there. But it is, it, you know, I think he probably will just about keep ahead of Callis, and it, it's a phenomenal record. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we were saying, well, I've just said before, it was a great, you know, a, a great end to the script, tying all the, the loose ends together. You know, all the plot lines have been, I mean, settled here. It's but like Breaking Bad. Much like several of the Lord of the Rings movies and any number of movies I've seen recently went on a bit too long. Uh, you know, the, the kind of final act, bit disappointing, drifted in and out a bit. You know, for the, the last two years, we've, we've said, what's happened, you know, drop Sachin, cut him. Uh, he's not playing well. But it's nice now that you get to this point where you can actually just ignore, really ignore that because it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and just enjoy it. Enjoy these last couple of games. It would be amazing if you went out and got a century or even two centuries. No, I mean, we, we talk about the numbers, but it is amazing. Like 200 is amazing. To get to 100 international centuries is amazing. It almost feels like because he's been around for so long and he's done so much, it's like, like those milestones, if you like, the 200, the 200 tests, the 100, uh, 100s. It's kind of like the two-hour marathon, isn't it? Or it's like a kind of milestone. You just think, how much further could you go? Probably not much further. That's well, yeah, like the, because- the limits of human endurance when it comes to cricket exactly because he's been playing for so long uh, and in some ways you'd say well if you play test cricket for 24 years you should be 
scoring that number of runs. It's not, it's not a surprise that he scored that number of runs, but then, of course, the reason he's played for 24 years is because he's been so consistently good for so long. I mean, it's possible... Like, if Alistair Cook, say, were to... If he plays for 24 years, he'll play a lot more than 200 test matches. He's not going to play for 24 years, but if he were to, at the rate... At, I mean, he's closing in on 100 tests now, and he's been playing for only coming up on eight years. There are many more tests being played now than there were at the start of Sachin's career. If Cook were to have that long a career, he will play more tests, score more runs, score more centuries. The question is whether, you know, he's good enough and got enough desire to do that. As you say, Sachin possibly went on a little bit too long in the end. It is getting on for three years since his last Test 100. There were several times in his career when he went through a bad patch, but he always bounced back eventually. But, you know, this time he just wasn't quite able to bounce back. Yeah, and, you know, you look at the... the the result today in Australia and it, you know probably he did go on too long to the detriment of the Indian team as well you know when you look at what the likes of Sharma, Dewan, Kohli etc are doing now you know, they probably would have moved on to this kind of level earlier had he not been around but you know you can't really blame anyone involved can't blame him or the board. For a number of reasons firstly because in 2010 he was still India's best player he was like the best batsman in the world at that point so it wasn't a gradual decline to the point where he was pretty useless. He went from being unbelievably good to suddenly not scoring any runs at all. So you can see why they, for a very long time, still expected him to come back into form. But also, if anyone deserves to be carried, it's Sachin Tendulkar. And I don't think India minded carrying him. I think most Indian supporters would grad- gladly trade a few test defeats or you know drawn games when they should have won if it means Sachin carrying on for a bit longer he, he they want to see him bat almost more than they want to see India win I would suggest yeah and it you know gave which I'm not sure is a very healthy thing necessarily but it, it's undeniably true and, it, and it's it's unique in some respects and it? you know there's not many players as you said who would be afforded that kind of luxury but also I guess you know it gave the opportunity for a lot of people to see Tendulkar play who wouldn't have seen him play otherwise so yeah in that in that sense why not you know, it's hard to hard to gauge from Guernsey how big Tendulkar is in India. Uh, you know, <laughs> we don't really get that. We don't really get the feedback from here. Uh, but from what I'm told, pretty big. So, yeah, quite a big deal for people to to be able to enjoy his, his batting. So, India will move on on the field without much of a problem. Virat Kohli is very much the star of the team now. Although apparently they've earmarked Suresh Raina to replace Tendulkar at number four, and I'm not sure that's. Best idea. I've never been hugely convinced by Rayner, but it's it's not so much his impact as a player that's going to be missed now. As we say, it's his. Uh, it, it's much bigger than that, isn't it? It, it? It leaves a big hole in Indian cricket and in cricket in general. Indian fans want to watch Tendulkar back. Indian stadiums still empty when he gets out. Uh, there's almost no one comparable in sports. I would say. I mean, in terms of you know. A megastar like that, I can only think of a handful like Roger Federer, who are on about that sort of level. And apparently they're they're mates, Federer and Tendulkar. <laughs> but there's not many people like even if uh, you know if I suppose it's a different thing because there's you know they're individual matches. But if Federer gets knocked out of a tennis tournament, it's not the case that people then stop turning up. Uh, and there's, there's just there's nothing like it in in any other sport that he is bigger than than everything else in in the game in India anyway. And so him going, you know, it's it's a it's a huge hole to try and fill at this point. Well, and also <clears throat> looking around Test cricket, you know, he's there aren't many players from that kind of golden era of bats. Well, I say golden era from our era of batsmen. Uh, 
you know, Kerr's gone now, effectively, <laughs> from Test cricket. I think it will probably be known as the Kerr era <laughs> when people look back on it. But, you know, like, yeah, Lara, Ponting, etc., no longer around. Dravid. Dravid. You know, will we see that kind of, not talent, because we will clearly see that kind of talent, but will we see those kind of heavyweights in that kind of number again? I don't know. I mean, this is a much bigger debate, but I think, you know, one of, one of the big problems at the moment uh, in terms of, you know, trying to identify players who are of that kind of heavyweight stature is that, well, just in general, Test cricket, the quality isn't as high now as it was in the 90s, and particularly the quality of the bowling isn't always as high. So whereas Tendulkar, Lara, Dravid, Ponting, etc., forged their reputations against, you know, the great bowling attacks of all time in, you know, Wakar and Wazim and McGrath and Warren and uh, Ambrose and Walsh, etc., you, you say, well, Tendulkar is a great of the game because he was able to conquer those type of bowlers. Whereas now, even people who are churning out similar statistics like Michael Clark or Alistair Cook, they're not doing it against bowlers of that quality at all. There's a, there's a handful, as you know, Dale Stain and one or two others, Jimmy Anderson, but that's about it. You know, the, the depth isn't there in the bowling, and that and that's the difference, I think. And that's why your Tendulkers and your Laras are just on a level above anyone that's that's around today, both literally, but also in terms of reputation. I would say. Yeah, and it's a big loss, and it's you know we are now entering a period of years, probably decades of kind of Tendulkar retrospectives. It will be, we'll be constantly looking back at Tendulkar for the rest of our lives, probably. Uh, good or a bad thing, I don't know. Yeah, not a bad thing, probably, overall, but it will get tiresome at some point. Well, I mean, just to coin a phrase, Tane, is it the case that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? I mean, the Indian public certainly knew what they had before it was gone, but, you know, maybe for us, obviously, we, I love Tendulkar, always have, but is it only now that you think, oh, actually, we were watching one of the great sportsman of all time both in terms of talent but also just in terms of everything surrounding it one of the sort of great phenomenons of sport yeah i mean like a federer <coughs> and, and when so when people talk about like a pele or a maradona or something in football and you think oh, i wish i'd been around to see that people of the future will wish they'd been around to watch tendulka bat and we've had it for 24 years yeah probably slightly well so okay going back to the last tour uh of england you know india were whitewashed and Tendulkar didn't score any runs so uh, you know in terms of short-term memory it has been quite a while since we've seen him do anything particularly remarkable well, yeah, it's been yeah three you know, three fallow years for sure but uh, so you- i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I mean, you're going back, aren't you, in terms of in England? 2006, did you get... Did you get a century in 2006? Well, India didn't tour in 2006. No. So uh, 2007, 
Yeah, I mean, England touring India in 2008, he uh, scored that 100 in... Uh, 2002, he got a big... 2002, big, he did, Big 100, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he scored a lot of runs kind of, against yeah. England over the course of his career, yeah. But, but yeah, you know, it has been quite a while, so in many ways, I've personally slightly forgotten... I can't remember really watching Tendulkar that, like, that <laughs> intense. You know, like, it's not like that vivid a memory, really. I mean, I physically watched him in Australia, in Hobart last year, and he, that was when he was kind of scrabbling around for the 100th 100. Uh, and he got to about well, mid, high 30s, I think, uh, and was looking really good and then just got out, and it was kind of it was a bit of a shame. You have to go back to kind of the 90s, really. It, really, when we were growing up, it was always like Tendulkar was doing like, the masterclass every week on... You know, on the cricket coverage, whenever, well, I say every week, whenever India were in the country, every four years. <laughs> <laughs> every single week. Every single week. I got bored of it. Yeah, he would, like, so for us uh, as kids, Tendulkar was Tendulkar was the man. The man, and, and it, it's an amazing thing that he still is at this point because a lot of other players have come and gone in that time. He's undeniably a remarkable figure, uh, that, that, and he has sort of transcended cricket in a lot of ways. Where do you put him on the all-time list, at the risk of this becoming like all the other Tendulkar retrospectives? Now, I guess it's inevitable that in, in the immediate aftermath of this news, some people have started describing him as the best ever. Is that over the top, or, or is there some truth to it? I, I guess it's difficult, because you say best ever what? Like, best ever cricketer, how do you compare Tendulkar and Warren, for example? But, you know, best ever batsman, does he have a claim? Well, definitely. I mean, he, yeah. Statistically, yeah, a very strong yeah, claim, I, I don't think... <laughs> It is really hard to say, I don't, you know, and that's probably the beauty of it. That's why one of these kind of things come up all the time is because you can't definitively say. So, for me, probably, but not not my favourite batsman of all time, but probably the best. Obviously, when when anyone has this kind of conversation, the name Bradman is brought in. For me, it's kind of difficult to include Bradman in in these sorts of conversations, though, because not only have we not seen him bat, there's not really any footage of him batting, but also there's. There's not really anyone left around who did see him bat. So all you can really go by is his average, which is obviously unbelievable and so much better than anyone else at the time as well, which suggests, yeah, he, he really was that good. But, you know, it's almost like a different sport now, cricket, isn't it? It's yeah. very difficult to compare him to anyone from the modern era. But in the modern era, I think Tendulkar has to be up there. You just look at his statistics and he has the records for most things. So clearly he's up there. But looking beyond the records... It's still true that he's up there, and perhaps only Viv Richards and Brian Lara would be on the same sort of level. I mean, in what we might describe as the post-Atherton era, <laughs> I guess, uh, Callis... Probably Atherton's biggest <laughs> legacy in cricket, really, is the, the kind of establishment of an era. Exactly, yeah. It's the, it's the Atherton and onwards era. Um, you'd say that, you know, it's, it's Lara, Callis, Ponting, Dravid and Tendulkar are, are the five sort of batting greats. But I think out of out of those, Tendulkar and Lara are a class apart, even from those other three. Well, yeah, I mean, Tendulkar, you know, in terms of what he's got, he's got kind of peerless, stati- can't even say it, the peerless statistics. <laughs> the peerless statistics. The peerless statistics. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but he's also got, you know, he has got the, the, the kind of creative... What's the word I'm looking for? There's the kind of creative, kind of beauty thing as well going on, isn't he? He's got the, he had the strokes, he had the yeah, the aesthetically yeah. Uh, pleasing nature. He of wasn't his he wasn't just a blocker, you know. Yeah, he played great shots, he played great innings, uh, and he'd made it look damn easy as well doing it. So yeah, he has in that sense got it all. He does. I mean, personally, 
I do prefer Brian Lara, and that and that is that does just come down to a personal preference of who I would rather watch bat. And it's not that I don't love watching Tendulkar bat, uh, because as you say, you know, at his best, he was a an incredibly uh, imaginative, incredibly classy, fluent batsman. Uh, but Lara, I think, was was just something else when he was at the top of his game. That's the best and, and most beautiful batting that I've uh, I've ever seen. I really think we might we should send an email to Crick Info requesting that in the on Stats Guru they had post Atherton era <laughs> as like it's kind of turned to a drop down. Uh, it could make life a lot it easier. Would simplify things yeah. for sure. Yeah, you know something that's that's often brought up when people compare Tendulkar and Lara. They say, well, you know, maybe they were just about as good as each other, but you'd you'd put Tendulkar ahead of Lara because of all the pressure that he was under. Because obviously, yeah, he did spend his entire career with the weight of a, a billion plus people on him all expecting him to produce all coming specifically to watch him bat and he knew that they'd leave as soon as he got out so he had all of that weight of expectation on him and that's clearly true that that is an, an enormous amount of pressure that he was under so for him to produce those kind of performances those kind of uh, records is an extraordinary thing and you know that's not the same for Lara as much as he did have a lot of pressure from the West Indian public. It's not the same thing, is it? But the, the flip side to that is that I think in terms of pressure within the team, Lara was under a lot more than Tendulkar. Lara was basically doing it all on his own, wasn't he, for a long time. He was the only decent batsman, let alone world-class, let alone all-time great batsman in, mm. in that West Indian outfit, whereas Tendulkar did have Dravid, Ganguly, Lachman, Savag, Gambir, etc. And that, yeah, that really him. settled unit was, yeah can only be a good thing so yeah, I know I agree I think Lara on balance certainly had more up against you know he was up against it slightly more yeah and I, I think those two things basically cancel each other out don't they the, the the expectations of a billion people versus you know the pressure of being the only world-class player in the team just about cancel each other out and so they're, they're basically equal aren't they it's like the Warren Murley debate they're basically equal and it's largely pointless talking about it but just for me personally I, I preferred watching Brian Lara bat that's not to say that I don't love Tendulkar. He's probably number two in terms of who I'd like to watch back, except for maybe Paul Collingwood. Um, <laughs> because we've been uh, talking about Tendulkar, I thought I might do everyone a favour and pick a composite 11. Now, this is what I can only describe as my post-Atherton India 11. You might remember that earlier on this year, when we didn't really have anything else to talk about, uh, I was selecting post-Atherton. I keep saying post-Atherton. It's basically from 1994 <laughs> onwards. Uh, teams for various countries around the world. I think I did England, West Indies, Pakistan. I sort of said that I, I'd keep doing that. I haven't done it for quite a long time, but in the spirit of this Tendulkar discussion, I've picked my post-Atherton India 11. See what you think of this. Openers are Savag and Gambier, and Dravid at three. A controversial selection, Sachin Tendulkar at number four. Ganguly at five. Lachman at six. MS Dhoni takes the gloves. Two spinners, Kumble and Harbajan. Uh, and two seam bowlers, Zahir Khan and Javagal Srinath. Now, arguably, Tom, that's not the most challenging team to pick, especially because most of that team actually did play together for quite a long period of time. But the, the main reason why I've, I've not said, oh, well, forget it then, let's not bother, is because, it, to me, that begs the question, why weren't they better than they were? Because for, for most of that sort of post-Atherton period, India were a pretty mediocre test side, or a little bit better, but not much better. They certainly weren't dominating the world they weren't uh, a great team they weren't on the same level of you know your Australia's your South Africa's even some of your England teams from that period but I mean that top six Savag Gambier, Dravid, Tendulkar, Ganguly, Lachman 
is unbelievably good. You know what 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 was what was missing there for them to become? It's a good great. question. I mean, statistically as well, you know, there's bags of runs in there. Good question. I mean, you know, they got the bowlers. Anil Kumble, Harbhajan Singh at his best was you know a much better bowler than Harbhajan Singh is now. <laughs> um, it is a little bit strange. I mean, maybe you know the the fact that they weren't the best fielding outfit would have uh, counted against them. Yeah, that that whole team didn't ever play together. People like Srinath uh, and, to a certain extent, Ganguly kind of predate Dhoni, for example, and they weren't all at their best at the same time. But that that kind of nucleus of a batting lineup did play together for a very long time. Possibly too many egos, too many great batsmen, perhaps. Who knows? I wasn't present in the dressing room at the time. So. <laughs> that's a that's a good question. I don't know how we get an answer to that. Answers on a postcard. Perhaps if you are Surf Ganguly or VVS Latchman, uh, you might like to email. Email the show. In the last ten years, Ian Bell only scored. Ian Bell only scored about five hundred runs fewer than Tendulkar. Really? Yeah. In the last ten years. Yeah. Wow. Bell hasn't even been playing Test cricket for ten years. Yeah. Bell, two thousand four. There's a stat for you. Wow. Tendulkar's all the way down in twelfth in the list of run scorers in the last ten years. But then again, what about in the last twenty four years? Yeah, fourteen. You had a whole career before that, <laughs> yeah. so it's not bad. <laughs> the side notes now on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. I've got a couple of articles to discuss with you this week, Tone. Uh, this one comes from not a place that we've ever taken a side note from before, the Catholic Herald. <laughs> well, I'm intrigued. How's that? Vatican to found its own cricket club. Since his election... On, just before we start, how many puns or cricket-related expressions are in there? Quite a few. Right. Uh, so, first sentence... Since his election, Pope Francis has been on the front foot, hitting a few sixes, bowling a few googlies and playing the odd reverse sweep. As an Argentine, the Holy Father probably wouldn't get the metaphors, but he might do soon, as the Vatican is about to form its own cricket club. Officials at the Pontifical Council for Culture, which has a section dedicated to sport, is setting up the first ever Vatican club and tournament in Rome. The initiative is the idea of Australia's ambassador to the Holy See, John McCarthy, an avid cricket fan. Already one match has been played between two Vatican universities, the Maria Mata Ecclesiae International Pontifical College and the Pontifical Urbaniana University on a pitch near Rome's Ciampino Airport. (laughs) So uh, you need quite a big scoreboard for that. (laughs) Uh, Quote, it was an interesting match, says Zaverian father Theodore Mascarenas, an Indian official at the Pontifical Council for Culture who would chair the new Vatican cricket board. They played a 2020 and Urbaniana, Ubaniana, Ubaniana, they're called, uh, won by just one run. The plan is to extend other 20 over matches to more Rome colleges and even further afield. Quote, we hope to have at least six teams, says Father Mascarenas. Players will be drawn from the many seminaries and pontifical universities in Rome, as well as Vatican officials. Father Mascarenas believes around 400 cricket fans reside in the Eternal City. They include seminarians from the Venerable English College, but also many others, often missionaries from the Indian subcontinent and Africa, as well as Australia, the West Indies and New Zealand. The Vatican also has a star player of its own, Father Tony Curra, an official in the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity, played club cricket for Durham until he moved to Rome last month to oversee dialogue with the Anglican Communion. Quote, I came to Rome thinking I probably wouldn't play much cricket anymore, but it looks like there's going to be a very good standard. The Vatican Cricket Tournament is expected to get underway in the next month or two. And we'll be following it, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Bull by bull. I never thought that that guy was named Tony Curra. Yeah. 
tried to get away from cricket. <laughs> He's gone to just find God, and it's followed him, haunted him like some. But also, I quite like the idea. He's like, I came to Rome thinking I wouldn't play much cricket anymore. I just, I, for some reason, I just had an image of him like on the plane, just like staring out the window, like probably won't play much cricket. Anymore. <laughs> just leaving it all behind. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine his face, his little face, when he was told? <laughs> so that's an interesting one, actually. I'll give you that. It's an unusual place. Like people say, oh, you only go to Crick Info for your side notes. Yeah, Catholic Herald. My second side note comes from Crick Info. <laughs> <laughs> Ponting wasting his time playing cricket. He might have been one of the greatest players to have ever played cricket, but Ricky Ponting has been told that he has been wasting his time with the sport. I love this. This is a this is exactly the sort of article that you love, Tony. You love these cricketers are going to do something else. Right, yeah, this is classic in the genre. Could be coming. So he's been told that he's been wasting time with the sport. That's because he has quite an aptitude for golf, and many observers have suggested Ponting should have a crack at playing professionally now his cricketing days are over. Ponting was told by nine-time major winner Gary Player that the way you hit the ball, you're wasting your time playing cricket. A handicap of plus one and a career low score of 66 give credence to that claim, and fellow Australian cricketer Dean Jones believes Ponting could become a dual international. He hits it super long, he's a great patter, and he just loves golf, Jones said. He spends time with his mate Mark Leishman. He has dozens of sets of golf clubs. I've seen his garage. When he's not playing cricket, he lives and breathes golf. What do you make of that, Tone? Plausible. What do you mean, plausible? No, just it fits, doesn't it? It fits the mould. Of what? Golf. Just, you know, more than MMA, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that, that'd be cool. be cool. We don't have dual internationals now, do we? Professionalisation is sort of seen to that. Yeah. Uh, Elise Perry in the women's, women's well, game. of course. Unforgettable. For Australia. You know, I guess you see it more common in kind of Olympic sports with that woman. What's her name? Rebecca Romero. That's the one. Uh, would she get a silver in cycling, rowing and a gold in cycling? Yeah. What next for her? But yeah, no, that's... that's well, nothing, I don't think. Foolish to say you've, you've wasted your time with cricket. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's made a fairly good fist of it, but... What a waste. <laughs> 40-odd test centuries. <laughs> <laughs> Could have done so much more. But, you know, 66 is not a bad... Not a little bad round of golf, though. I don't really understand golf. What What's, what's a good round of golf? Well, par is... I think par is 72, isn't it? Let me just check. Is par always 72? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, typical championship golf courses have par values of 72, comprising four par threes, ten par fours, and four par fives. Oh. Championship courses can be as high as 73 or as low as 69. I didn't know it was that uniform. But, yeah. I, thought, I thought different but courses, 72. different par. I've never really got on with golf, Tone. It annoys me, really. There's a <laughs> lot about it that annoys me. I really enjoy it. I enjoy playing it. I enjoy watching the Ryder Cup. Oh, I love the. I actually love the Ryder yeah. Cup, but that's. I enjoy watching like the board. final round of the the majors, but I can't really get into just pointless, money spinning tournaments every week, all over the world, with no interest and no excitement. Could it be just... talking about cricket. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be honest. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I just don't, I just don't care. I just don't think there's what there's no interest in it really. There's no I, pressure. There's no. I mean, there is. I guess there is pressure because so many people play golf, and there's not a huge amount to separate them. Is that? Yeah. You know, it is you against the course. So if yeah, if, if there are a thousand golfers, you know, not a lot is going to separate the, the separate them. So every kind of every shot is crucial. So I guess there is personal pressure, but equally, you know. Yeah, well, for, the, for the spectator, where's the intrigue? That's it. It, it strikes me that it, it would be quite a fun sport to play if you're really good at it, but it's not a great sport to watch. But I like I, I tried to play golf a few times. You might remember because we we went to the same little club, didn't yeah. we, when we were about thirteen, 
Uh, but I just never got on with it at all. <laughs> I was absolutely hopeless. I mean, uh, yeah, you did very well in the mini golf recently, but your your stance is ex- it's eccentric to say the least. I think that's probably putting as your limit. I, I think, like really. shipping the Ryan Chandler, <laughs> just do what I want. I mean, that's very similar to the way I, I putt. It's very unorthodox. Do you remember our friend Gareth? It was another one who went to that little golf club with us. And he'd go down to the driving range, and it was like the driving range was like up the hill from the car park and the shop. And he'd just turn around and whack balls down towards the shop and the car park. <laughs> I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? That is madness. When you're a kid, though, uh, you know, you, you are at kind of all stages just trying to hit balls where you're not supposed to be, like into the road or wherever. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was amazing that no one was killed, really. Isn't it? <laughs> it's remarkable. Very lucky. He, he once told me, I just I don't know why I thought of this, that uh, he, he was, you remember he was well into video games. You talk about Grand Theft Auto and stuff. That This is like the last time that I really played video games is when, when I used to hang out with, with him and we just could like go around and play the SNES. He told me that if you left the SNES on for more than six hours without turning it off, that it would explode. <laughs> I told that to my older brother and he thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard in his life. He still reminds me of it because I believed it. Hook, line, and sinker. My brother was playing the snares. I was like, "Turn it off! It's gonna blow up the house." I mean, you were, you, you know, you weren't shy of telling a few porkies though, were you when you were a kid? No, that's certainly true. We remember some of them, some of the major ones. Bagier signs for Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah. I think you, you conned a fellow Wimbledon supporter yeah, I told Nick into that, thinking uh, that we that Wimbledon had signed Roberto Bagier. Yeah. I mean, what were you basing it on? What was, what was your evidence? Because I wanted it to sign <laughs> for Wimbledon, basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was before that was before the day. You know, now you can get away with that sort of nonsense yeah. because you'd immediately just whip your phone out. I just used to tell Nick stuff just because he, I mean, I was gullible, but he was. <laughs> like, so there, there was a, a video, like a Wimbledon season review. <laughs> and uh, like, I stuck that in the VCR, turned it on and told him it was a computer game. I gave him the, gave him the SNES controller and he was there like, wow, this is amazing. It's so lifelike. Yeah, what an idiot. I don't believe that. He's still, he's still our producer, Nick, of course. You can see him through the class there. Much like Mo Farah's publicly stated ambition to run the marathon in under two hours, this episode of the World Creature Show has been widely dismissed as preposterous. As such, it's probably about time to give up on it. Second time we've mentioned the two-hour marathon in this pod. Coincidences, I told you. What do you mean you told me? I said that yeah, there were lots of strange coincidences tonight about tonight's pod. Did you, oh, the Tendulkar. Yeah, and there's another one. Spooky, so there man. Are the two major ones. So spooky. Yeah. Halloween's coming up. <laughs> I'm freaked out. The thing of, of Mo Farah saying he'd run the marathon under two, I mean, he's now come out and said that he, he, he didn't really mean it. But there was an article on BBC Sport where someone was like, yeah, I mean, it's just, oh, that's just typical of Mo, isn't it? It's just great ambition. What an ambitious guy. <laughs> so, like, that's just typical Mo that he'd say that. <laughs> so I could say that I'm going to run the marathon in under two hours. It's like, oh, I could say, I could say I'm going to swim the English Channel in 15 minutes. Oh, that's typical Bayfield, that. So ambitious. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't know, well, I don't know if ambitious is... Uh, that's not really typical Bayford, is it? A lot of the people close to me would describe me as <laughs> worryingly unambitious, I would say. <laughs> you probably set out to do the English Channel in eight days. So. <laughs> not, you know. um, you, got my, you got much lined up for this week, Tom? You making any bread? No. Oh. Oh. No. No. Uh, no, I don't you know. Made, you made some no, bread. I made some live you? radio bread. You made some bread on the radio. And what is... 
arguably the highlight of my career. I actually listened to that. Did you actually? Yeah. What were you doing listening to it? Well, someone posted it, posted the clip of it on Facebook. Oh, right, the kind of reveal. What did you think? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. 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 I laughed. Hi guys, Adam Bayfield here. You probably know me as Adam from the World Cricket Show. Well, we had some technical difficulties at the end of tonight's episode, largely due to what I can only describe as bungling on the part of one Tony Kerr, who's supposed to be in charge of the buttons and stuff. As a result, we lost the last few minutes of the recording, which is a shame because we saved most of our best material for last. For example, Tony accidentally imploring everyone to follow him on Twitter. Radio Gold. Anyway, it's a bit of a rubbish way to end the show, this, but it is... Nonetheless, the end of the show. If you like what we do, then you might be interested in checking out our online website, which is cricketshow.net. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricketshow. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash cricketshow. You can follow Tony at Tony Cover. And write iTunes reviews as well. If you've got a uh, spare five minutes this week, we do really appreciate iTunes reviews. It helps us out in the rankings and all of that. So thanks to everyone who has done that. But that's about it for this week. Join us next week for more cricket-based fun. Bye, everybody. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.